Hello, Yoande. Good evening and welcome to the podcast of The Working Girl. Good evening, Kiru. Thank you for having me. Lovely. And for those who don't know, Yoande Sadiku is Executive Secretary for the Nigerian Investment Promotion Commission. Um, Yewande, before now, was an executive director for Leading Bank in Nigeria, has been a banker for many, many years, an investment banker precisely. So this really is her forte. Um, but before we go on, I think it's important for Yewande to tell us a bit about herself. So over to you right here. Thank you for having me again, Kiru. Um, so the best way I like to describe myself is actually as a dreamer. Um, well, that is more my passion in terms of work uh, and career. I studied industrial chemistry at the University of Benin, and then I worked at mm. Citibank mm -hmm. uh, for two years. I was hired by Citibank straight out of university. Mm. Um, and then I left Citibank to get an MBA, um, came back to Nigeria after my MBA, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and joined what was IBTC and stayed mm. with the bank for 20 years, nine months and oh. nine days. Oh my when God. I resigned to accept the appointment as executive secretary of NIPC. So I've had a fairly, as jobs go, you know, fairly short career, only three organizations. Hmm. For 20 years is a three long organizations time. Organizations in 28 years. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> One day I couldn't resist it. 20 years is a long time. Long, long time. Long and interesting time. Indeed. Indeed. Long and interesting time. Right. So, so I mean, I think that a natural question to ask you, therefore, having done 28 years in the private sector, is, is how was your transition into the public sector? I, I'm asking because I know that um, there are females who are listening who would like to go to the public sector in whatever countries they're listening from. So it'd be great to hear how the transition was for you. Um, it's been four years and a month, and mm. I still consider myself to be in that transition. Um, I, I it's, had, it's hard not to interrupt you for a giggle because I've never seen anybody sitting <laughs> for four years, but it's okay, carry on. I promise you, I mean, every day I learn something that I could have done, um, if I had known earlier, that I could have done um, differently. Um, I think mm -hmm. you say that you've done a transition when the realities of that new environment don't surprise you. I get surprised every day, so I consider myself to still be in transition. And I think that if I stop noticing the difference between the public and the private sector, mm -hmm. that I will be, that it will be all over. Because um, I think the difference between us is quite material. Um, so before I talk about the transition, um, to put it in context for many, and you know, some people may have heard me say this before, from an information capital perspective, it lies proportionately on the side of the public sector. Most mm. people in the public sector, though, don't appreciate the value of that information, so they don't treat it with the same respect that you would accord something of value. Mm. From an intellectual capital perspective, the capacity to translate um, information and opportunity to economic mm -hmm. value applies disproportionately on the, pri on the side of the of the private sector. So there's a massive gap between the two. 
the quality of the tools, the quality of the resources, the quality of the support that you mm. get in the private sector and the mm. public sector are materially different. If you grow up in the private sector, you know no different. It's the same thing if you grow up in the public sector. But if you make a change from one to the other, then mm-hmm. it, you know, it sort of slaps you in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that mm-hmm. some period in the public sector is useful for all of us. Mm-hmm. One as professionals, two as patriotic people who love our country, mm-hmm. who love our continent. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who dream of a future that is better than what we see today, mm-hmm. um, the one thing that I think is useful for, lo- for all of us to arm ourselves with mm-hmm. is a better knowledge of the world that we're going into. And for most people who join the public sector, there is no preparation. There is no, mm-hmm. you don't get a transition period. You just go, you know, one day from one to the other. So most of us mm-hmm. go into it ill-prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, the longer you stay, the more you learn. Um, mm-hmm. So it may be that at the end of my five-year tenure, I'll have all of the information I actually need to function properly. On <laughs> but then the tenure will have been over. Hmm. I hear you. And it's a long-winded answer. I don't, know whether I, I don't know whether I answered you appropriately, but that's that's how my spirit you, felt the question. No, no, I hear you, and I hear the points you make. I just like to hone in on one of those. Mm-hmm. So, so because you are now in, and you have, you know, the the hindsight of four years, um, all in your pocket. If I rose up tomorrow, any working girl rose up and said she was transiting from private sector to public sector, mm-hmm. what are the three things you would write in a manual for her? What are the three pieces of advice, you know, you would arm her with as she transitions? Okay, the first one, arm yourself with the rules. Mm. I believe in the doctrine, Odema Piguet. It's something I've always believed in, but Odema Piguet use it as their tagline in their in their adverts. To mm. bend the to break the rules. To break the rules, you must first master them. The rules for operating mm. the public sector are materially different from the private sector. So the first, my first advice is to mm-hmm. master the rules. Right. The second advice is that it is everything is about politics, mm. and politics is not, you know, voting at the elections. Mm-hmm. That's not what it is. It's not choosing somebody that will represent a majority um, of us. Um, politics is about influence, mm-hmm. um, and it is about, in some ways, it is about trading favors Mm. it is important to learn what politics really is and prepare yourself to play that game even if you are not a politician right the third thing i will tell the person Mm -hmm. is you must first know who you are Mm-hmm. who you stand for, what your values are, mm-hmm. lines that you, the lines for you that don't exist and the lines mm-hmm. that you must never cross. Mm-hmm. And it must mm-hmm. be clear from day one 
you know mm -hmm. you remember that your time in the public sector will have a beginning and it will have an end you almost have to decide the person that works out at that end would it be right. you want that person to be the same person going in at the beginning which means whatever your guiding principles are you must stick to them whatever the cost may be hmm. but it is to know who you are and to be honest with yourself about that those are the three things i'd say so know the rules mm -hmm. learn about politics mm -hmm. learn it early learn it quickly you don't have mm -hmm. to be a politician but you know politics is about influence once you understand that you know what you need to learn and then the third one is know who you are and be guided by by that person. Hmm. Wow, those are very serious um, words of advice. And I, and I really hear you on the one about, about the values. In fact, when you were speaking, I was drawing a visual tunnel about someone who enters, you know, and hopefully she recognizes herself when she comes through at the end of the other tunnel. So that's really, that's really deep. Can I, can I just lean in a bit on politics? And the reason I'm leaning on politics is because females tend to think, well, I thought for so long that politics was was dirty. And I would actually make comments like, I don't get involved in office politics, so there's that's their own, you know? And I mean, a mentor of mine said to me, for as long as you work, no, no, let me step back. He says to me that everywhere you find sugar, you would find an ant. And therefore, anywhere you find people, you would find politics because that's just the way it works. So I'd like you to dwell on that in two regards. One, how should we learn it? How are we going to know what to do? How should you operate? And, and second, it's, it's also the, obviously I would like someone because of his values and therefore I would kind of in quotes pitch my tent with him. Isn't that therefore now being obvious to the whole corporation or the whole system that his values align to mine and this is where I stand. So, I suppose it's two questions in one. How will we approach this whole conversation about politics? Over to you, Yerandi. Hi, Yerandi. Okay, Yerandi, did you put yourself on mute? Yes, thank you. Sorry, I didn't hear the question. All right. No, so I didn't put myself on mute. Oh, right. Okay. I think we went off a bit. So, so my question was around politics and how for so long yeah. young women have thought politics as being dirty and as being something they should not be involved in. I, for one, for a long time used to say, oh, don't get involved in office politics. But obviously, anywhere you find sugar, you would find ants. And therefore, anywhere you find people, you would find politics. So how should we approach it as working yes, yes. women? And um, the first thing you need to think about is that politics is about influence. Hmm. It's not about value. Hmm. It is first about influence. Right. Um, politicians are trained to win. Hmm. Professional politicians are trained to win by any means necessary. Right. Should I say that again? Yes. <laughs> Their training is win by any means necessary. Mm. So if you're playing in the public sector, you 
You may be a technocrat in the public sector, but you are working for politicians. Right. Because at the top of the public sector are people who are elected by the people, the governor, the president, mm -hmm. you know, at the top of the public sector are politicians. Mm -hmm. Behind them, one level down, are the civil servants mm -hmm. who will work all, many of whom will work all of their careers. Mm um working for politics they're working ultimately for the country uh -huh. but their their work is shaped by politicians as they come and go uh -huh. so there are many things about how politicians think and work that they have learned you coming from the private sector will be innocently saying you know i'm a technocrat and i still say that today i i'm not a politician that polit politics is about influence it's not about values so when you talk about the person in the office whose views align with yours and and you make it obvious that this person's values and mine are aligned mm. that's not the way a politician thinks mm. politicians don't think this person's values are aligned with mine they think what influence does this person have mm. that may be useful for me mm. how may i wield my own influence mm. to be useful to others what influence currency do i have mm. that may be useful to others my value in the eyes of a politician is defined in that context mm. Mm. what it. influence capital i have mm. that may be useful to others mm. so the person who is useful to a politician is that person whose influence capital Mm -hmm. It's not about they don't. It's not so much about the values you stand for. Mm -hmm. It is about you know what you can influence mm. and for what purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I've come to learn about politics. I just I just want to let you know that I was I was typing um, influence currency that you have that may be useful to others. Building your influence capital. I, mm -hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to like take my chair and recite on this fun topic. So this is the last question on this before we move on. And it is, how do you build that influence capital? I typically like for us to give recommendations, you know, thoughts and then recommendations. So how do you think one can build that influence capital? Um, so I, I mean, this may, having some time to think about it uh -huh. and articulating properly may have been useful. Mm, okay okay i think because i don't have that luxury but off the top of my head how do you build your influence capital mm -hmm. if you if in the office say mm -hmm. you are the knowledgeable one you know you know all the rules you know you are the best at um, structuring you are the best at this and they cannot do an, a, a transaction mm -hmm. without relying on you because they need you to build a model because mm -hmm. they need you to check you you have, you have influence capital. Mm -hmm. You have an an entire organization that is dependent on you. Mm -hmm. If you teach people, um, you have influence capital with those people that you teach. That's why we can we can ask we can make people do things without whipping them, without you know paying mm -hmm. them to do. It. Mm. Because I'm influenced by them. However, that influence was acquired. Mm. For most people, it'll be because they look up to that person. Mm -hmm. um, 
or because of what they can get from that person. For most mm. young people in their careers, it's because of what they can learn from a senior person. Sometimes mm. it is a lot of times it is about person's um, stands for. Many times though, they're not aware that the influence O has over them is because of what they can learn from that person. Mm. And they look at you and they think, I want to be like Mukiru, you know, breath of experience. She knows this, that, and the other. So subconsciously, they defer to you, not because you're older, not because you're richer, not because you're smarter, not because you have many, you have pockets of experience that they want to take from. Mm. So that's your own influence capital. I will mm. encourage all personnel to arm themselves with a lot of influence capital. Mm. I just explained, it's not necessarily something that you pay for. In fact, the influence capital you pay for is the one that is the easiest to, that is easiest to Quiet. take away. Mm. That's why you are loyal to an organization because that organization um, quote unquote appears to have your back because it has allow your influence mm -hmm. cognized without having to do things that you don't want to do mm. um, but if you more you know the Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I lost you for one second or two, but I think that I got the gist of it. So thank you. Um, there's a lot of comments around how to build your influence capital and you illustrated with, as an example, someone whose organization is dependent on for a certain type of skill, um, a rough example, structuring a deal. So it's, it's building influence with those people by sharing knowledge. Um, and, and also the other piece of advice about influence that you, you pay for, that is, is not social currency. It's probably what is easier to dispense of. So I'm going to go that and move you right into one of the issues that plague females. And people ask me all the time and is on the issue of balance. And I mean, one of my most poignant memories of you, and I think I've shared it with you before, is when you were, I'm not even sure if you were executive director at the time or just head of department and I have come to your desk because we had a late evening meeting one-on-one -on -one, and you were listening to your son play the piano and I thought, I mean I thought many things, I thought to myself how is she coordinating it, you know sitting in the office and I think you turn and so you play it again, that note wasn't right and secondly I had no idea that you had music skills so I think <laughs> I think it's a question of how, you know, were you achieving um, those long hours? And I'll lean in a bit to say an average investment banker, um, again, knowing the type of organization you worked for, is dealing with probably calls from um, cross-border, cross-continent, which means that this calls can be late into the night. So while listening attentively, so you can tell one lady out there how to, how to manage and achieve balance. Please go ahead. So my first um, comment about balance is that it is elusive. Mm. Um, you know, if you if you think that, you know, by the time I get as senior as in Kiro, I'd have achieved balance, you've got it wrong. Um, and anybody who has tried to balance on a ball, you know, knows that it is impossible to stand still. To get that balance, you simply have to keep moving. 
um, or if you try to stand on one foot. So in my view, in many ways, balance is elusive. It will keep changing because the, the balls you are trying to balance will keep changing as well. Um, with family, when my children were younger, uh-huh. I, I believe that it was important to keep my circle of daily commute as tight as possible. So it's school, the office, and home. And I encourage people to make that circle as small as they can afford. Mm. That means your home, your office, the school you take your children to every day must be as close together as you can afford. Mm. Um, so, you know, working in in um, Victoria Island. Uh-huh. Friends were schooling Victoria Island uh-huh. um, so that I reduce my circle of commute. And I say as you can afford because at different times in your career, you can only afford to live where you're living. Uh-huh. Um, I started off living in Onike before we moved to, you know, Ikoi. But I wasn't going to continue living in Onike simply because it was cheap in Onike when my office was there. It had been a lot more different. It's uh, of balance. It's the quality of surround yourself with. Because um, none of us can do it alone. You know, this is where you need a team. And when I say the quality of help, I don't mean only the people you hire. Mm-hmm. They're an important piece of it, but your partner is your first help. Mm. Um, the skills you arm your children with in terms of teaching them independence as well is an important part of that help. So there are many things they need to be able to learn to do by themselves mm-hmm. for them. Mm. It's mm. the family you surround yourself with because um, all of us um, can never be there you know, a hundred percent all of the time. Um, your family speaks your language. Um, they share your values. Um, having them around your children is useful for for helping them. You know, continue to infuse those things that you want to put in them. Um, and many of us have a pillar. You know, that we lean on the most. When when my children were younger, it was my mother. Um, and then the quality of those that you, you know, you hire to help is also important. I always believe um, that since I'm, I don't take my my employers and my clients for granted, mm-hmm. I don't want somebody, I don't want to pay somebody who will take me for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I don't take my work for granted is because, you know, the, because first is the burden of the responsibility that you carry. Uh, but second, you know, in the private sector is what you're paid, you know, what you're paid to do that job every day. Mm. So you pay your help well so that they don't take your work for granted. The same way you don't take your work for granted. And sometimes people don't realize that. We like employers who don't only pay us well, but also treat us, treat us well. Sure. We don't like to work for bosses who shout on us, who, you know, are rude to us who don't who try to pass our work off as theirs mm. um, i consider it to be the same to be true of those that we hire to work for us at home mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so according them that that same respect. I think those pieces are important element of of balance. Mm. But that balance is elusive. Mm. Another thing that I think is important for balance is it's important that you that you actually do your best. Don't lie to yourself that you're doing your best too. It's important that you actually do your best. Once you know that you're doing your best, it's important to, you know, let it go. You know, don't blame yourself. Don't I mean, I've never called my children every 5 minutes to check whether this that or the other was working. Mm-hmm. It would never have worked for the kind of work I was doing. But if my children mm-hmm. call whatever meeting I'm in, um or if they send me a message whatever meeting I'm in, you know, I will I will leave that meeting as quickly as I can to call them back and make sure that they're well. But I will not call every 5 minutes to check whether they they're okay. Mm-hmm. I hear you. And and I guess just to add that life is in phases. You always never just be at the stage where they need you on the hour. They also grow as yours have. Absolutely. I mean, they're not adults, but they're teens that can navigate, you know, on their own. So true. And thank you for that response. Now to something that I should have started off with, but I thought to respect myself and deal all the formalities. But I mean, you're the other side of you, which is the creative side of you, which is the producer side of you. I remember when <laughs> they said, yes, very important to me because I feel like people must express themselves every talent they came to this world with. I remember when they said half of the yellow sun was being produced and the whole market went crazy. Next thing they said, the producer was just next door and I even knew the producer. I was then running crazy from joy and with joy. So I'd like you to speak to us about that piece of your life, um, how the interest started, how you arrived there. I've got gazillion questions. So how you arrived there and 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 I suppose where is that part of you when you are sitting in those black suits and sitting and being <laughs> executive secretary? So let's take this one because the questions are plenty. But let's go. Let's get started with the simple ones. How did you okay. arrive at this piece? Yes, please. Okay. So if you want to find out about the fullness of who I am, um, uh-huh. the yellow sun doesn't actually tell you the fullness of who I am. So I'm going uh-huh. to answer your question completely differently, in Kiru. Uh-huh. Um, I believe that all of us are different people. Just ex- and you are living proof of the fact that all of us are different people. Because you have your day job, but um. you have many interests. You're an author. You're a mentor. You're not just a mentor. You have a formal mentoring program for young ladies. Uh, uh. And then you're, you know, a journalist, a, uh. a, a you know, a show host. <laughs> <laughs> You know what it is? I love outdoors. I love the outdoors. So when I think about the many phases of my life, I think of all the things I like to do outdoors. Mm. Bungee jumping, scuba diving, skydiving, um, climbing Kilimanjaro, walking the Camino de Santiago, diving the Great Barrier Reef. Um, I, I, every holiday, I, I, I used to say, you know that I have. Uh, when people say, "What are your, what are your ambitions?" Mm-hmm. You know, I'd say, "Oh, is to never go on the same holiday twice." <laughs> really? Oh yes, never go to the same place twice on holiday. Mm. The world is too big to go to the same place twice. Mm. 
Uh, and all those flags I always have by my desk remind me of the world out there. But I find that many people are particularly fascinated by, you know, the making of Half of the Yellow Sun, which started off as an evening and weekend hobby. Um, and for the most part, carried on as an evening and weekend hobby. But it was such a public hobby that, you know, the world sort of came to know about it. Um, for many, for many of us, um, church is an important part of our lives. Mm -hmm. um, um, or your obligations to your community are an important part of your life. Mm -hmm. um, people are into photography, people are, you know, my making up of the yellow sun was no different. It was just that it was on a public platform. And I think it is important that you are not just one person, that you are not just one thing. Because work is the easiest thing to take away. I mean, what if you get fired? Or like me, what if you get, you know, called to serve and you feel an obligation to answer that call? Does mm. the definition of you stop because you are no longer an investment banker? Mm. Um, if that was all you measured yourself by, it would feel like somebody had stolen something from you. Mm -hmm. And you probably will not be able to function. If they call you Madam Executive Secretary and it sounds, you know, like such a fabulous title, you cannot imagine it ever being taken away, then you will not be able to do anything else. But if you have other interests, in my view, it actually helps you achieve a better balance. So I encourage people to get into many things. We must respect um, those that employ us. So if your employer, most employers have no have rules for um external engagement mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you cannot get paid um, from certain things but it doesn't mean that you cannot do them so we have a contract mm -hmm. on half of the yellow sun because mm -hmm. everybody had to get paid that says you know my pay as executive producer was one dollar because it could not be zero mm -hmm. but one dollar is clearly not remuneration mm -hmm. and certainly not worth you know what it took to make half of yellow sun mm. um but it allows me to to express you know you're a mother you're a sister you're a wife you're a friend it is mm -hmm. the same way that as human beings we're many things that professionally in my view we can be many things mm. i hear you i hear you and and i couldn't agree more the illustration about when madame the Madame Prefix, Madame Executive Secretary, is taking away from your name, and then what happens? Yes, but I, I, I think it's, it's also more than that. I worked in Virgin for many years, and I remember going for dinners, and I'll say to someone, um, Hi, my name is Inkiru Ulumide. You just say, Ah, Inkiru Virgin. And I saw, I'm like, What? Why can't people just know me for who I am and the interests that I have? But obviously, this isn't about me. So, my second question to you is, What is next? Because we're waiting and we've been waiting. So what is next from that creative side of you? What, what are we supposed to expect? I don't know. When I think of you, I think wild thoughts. Are you going to continue production? Yes, you know, Yewande, I think that we're going to wake up and you've done something. And the truth is, I don't know what. I, I just know that we're going to be surprised. It just feels like it's, I, it's almost I, here. Do you agree? I couldn't agree with you, Kira. Uh -huh. So let me tell you what is next. Yes, please. The only thing I know about what is next is that I don't know what is next. <laughs> but I know that the, 
but I know that all the skills I have gathered until now are coming yeah. with me on that next. Mm. So the one thing I know, I I accepted this job because mm-hmm. of the experience I had on a spiritual journey, my pilgrimage. Mm. Um, you know, the Camino de Santiago. I walked mm-hmm. 322 kilometers in 12 days. This wow. This job was announced on day four of 12. You remember that time you were calling me. Mm, what are we going to say to clients? What are you going to do? So I mean to bookend this public sector experience with another pilgrimage. Mm. This time I plan to walk 500 kilometers. Wow. Yes. The last one was 322 kilometers. I did it in 12 days. The next mm-hmm. one I want to be... 500 kilometers. I want to do it over 30 days. Because hmm. the last one, I was in such a big hurry to finish and get back to work. Hmm. The next one, I want to stop and smell the roses. Hmm. I want to stop in some towns I like along the way and spend hmm. an extra day or two. And not, you know, it'll be a completely different experience. But that hmm. spiritual journey. Um, you know, is important. That spiritual journey is important. Mm-hmm. Is important to me to mm-hmm. end my time in the public sector. Mm-hmm. Then I, I, um, I mean, investment banking is still with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the journey in the public sector, the difference in what I have experienced from mm-hmm. everything I knew before. I would like to write. So I actually want to take some time out to write about this experience. Uh Uh And if I have my way, I would like to translate that into something that is easy for the public to learn from. Uh Whether that is by publishing the book Uh or by turning it into uh, a series Mm. Um, that is easier to access. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you never know. In terms of the creative industry, though, I still feel incredibly strongly that it has material commercial value. Mm. I believe that it is an industry that is under advised. Mm-hmm. So most of those who have the capacity for the craft. Mm-hmm. actually cannot afford the quality of professional advice to take their game to the next level. Mm. 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 Uh, and I would like to find somebody who, you know, who um, interests me enough for me to commit my energies to helping to make interesting things happen. Mm. So you're right that it is not, you know, it's a it's a watch this space matter. <laughs> and there's an outbreak of 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 or, or there's no short supply of creativity and creatives in the sector. So I'm sure that um, your work will be easy um, whenever you're ready. Um, so you and did just two more things, and and I think the first thing is is kind of an amalgamation of all that I've asked you and the last 
um, response you gave about wanting your life to be a lesson or taking your experience as a lesson. It is so. So females now growing up in different parts of the continent um, have all been dealt. All of us have been dealt with this pandemic, and what it says to us is the curriculum would change. We can see it because we can see that um, some things are not as necessary, some things are necessary. So education generally will evolve. But if we still stay focused on the, the girl child, the working girl, what types of courses would you now, bearing from your experience, the pandemic, all that has happened to us, what types of courses would you infuse into their curriculum? Um what types of courses uh-huh. the important the first course is the importance of being present too. Oh. Mm. you know mm. that's the first thing the pandemic has taught me mm. the importance of being present wow um and what i mean by that uh-huh. is that whatever you plan to do you know if you are not physically mentally emotionally um medically mm-hmm. able to do it mm. you are not able to do it and we don't mm-hmm. always realize it but that presence is the first thing mm-hmm. so it is to me mind body and soul mm. your health is the first thing and i don't just mean what we see when we look at you so mm. it's your physical health it's your mental health it's your emotional health the relationships you have, you know, the things you enjoy that help you to breathe, um, your physical, you know, fitness. For me, all those things are, you know, part of being present. And I would teach people to first make sure that they are present. Mm. Mm. And the second thing that I would teach people or mm. that I would encourage is that we learn many skills. Mm. because you never know what is around the corner so there is no you know what our mothers used to tell us there's no learning that is lost mm. um, You, the day you need it will be too late to learn it mm. Mm. Um, you know all of us have 24 hours the reason mm. some people have achieved a lot more than we have is because they spent some of those 24 hours differently from the way we did ours mm. Mm. Um, so you, that value of always learning, whatever it is you want to learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, technology is not something that people who are interested in computers do. It's not for techies. <laughs> yes, sir. Technology is as ubiquitous as life itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so learning those skills... I, I created a team in NIPC mm-hmm. and I was trying to, you know, get them to learn in particular, um, learn some particular skills. Mm-hmm. I remember a man saying to me, you know, that it was, it was almost saying like, I'm only trying to use their heads, you know, that he's too old to be learning these skills. It's important, <laughs> it's important for them. Mm. The reality though, is that a lot of those skills today uh, not only are they invaluable today, mm. but the closer you get to retirement and you look at your basket of tools and you find 
you know, this basket is not as um, rich as it should be. Mm. It is only at that time that you realize that there's some skills that you should have picked up along the way that you did. Mm. So learning how to use technology to do, you know, many things, Mm. at least as many things relating to your job or the Mm. job you're interested in. Oops, I hear you. I hear you well. And and very much like you, you jumped ahead of me um, by using those, um, however small, but they were quotes nonetheless. Because I was going to ask you to please share two or three quotes that you have found valuable um, as a working woman. So um, they can be principles turned to quotes or whatever, just quotes that have guided you or have been your companion as, as a working woman. Please go ahead. Um, the Japanese, there's a Japanese saying, actually, let me not start with the Japanese. Let me start with the carpenter's doctrine. And I believe this completely. Measure twice, cut mm. once. Measure twice, mm. cut once. Mm. And what that says mm-hmm. is that you you cross-check, you recheck. Don't you know? Don't assume you know everything. Mm. Just check it again before you finalize. If you think about a, a carpenter that has a ten-meter piece of wood, mm-hmm. and he's trying to cut six point seven meters. Mm. He measures the 6.7 meters and mistakenly cuts it at 6.6. 6. The uh-huh. 6.6 is not useful because he needed 6.7. Uh-huh. The rest of it is not useful and he doesn't have anything again. So measure twice, cut once. Uh-huh. Um, I've always lived by. I also believe that fortune favors the brave. <laughs> uh, that one you've had on your DP for gazillion years. Yes, so fortune favors the brave. Hmm. You have to know who you are, what your values are, mm-hmm. you know, the things that you really believe in and stand by them, you know, day or night. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a professional, all the things you need to be a professional and you stick by that, your professionalism. Mm. This is not about being deceitful. This is not about being sneaky. It is just, you know, I want to be the best me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that the, the, um, I'm a very spiritual person. I'm not a religious person, but I'm a very mm-hmm. spiritual person. Mm. Um, and I believe that God has my back. God has my six. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the things that I've thrown my bravery at, honestly, whatever challenges I may face along the way, I mean, it's almost like God will make me victorious. Mm. Mm. No, I hear you. I hear you, and I'm on your side. Um, so I think I'm Can I going... ask one more? That yes, I... please. please go it's ahead. It's a Japanese saying. Well, somebody told me it's a Japanese saying. I actually don't know whether it's a Japanese saying. Uh-huh. Is that it is good to trust, but it is better not to. <laughs> you wonder this one. I, this one is like math. Is a tough mathematical formula. We need to. It is good to trust. It is mm. better not to. Oh wow! If you give somebody an assignment, uh-huh. um, you know, until you get to a position where, 
on a risk based on a risk adjusted basis you know the quality of that person's work mm-hmm. just make sure that you check that they have dotted the i's and crossed the t's i find it even more important in the public sector mm. where you are representing a country and you cannot afford sloppy mistakes that make you and your entire country look unprofessional mm. so when they prepare work for me i check it very carefully it is not because i don't trust them mm. it is because of the magnitude of the audience that we are playing for Mm, I hear so you. So that's the context in which I take that it's good to trust. I don't take it literally. Mhm. Mhm. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm not sure that I've been looking forward to this conversation and I'm not sure that I know my audience um were at all disappointed. I think what I'm going to do is bring you feedback especially on this closing statements that you have made. Um You know every time I hear new quotes from my husband to my children to my friends they all suffer from it. So I'm going with the the Japanese quotes and then I'm also going with the Carpenter's quotes of measuring twice. So so I think it's important to say thank you so much um Yerandre. I've had a really delightful time. Thank you for the lessons. Thank you always for your authenticity. I mean I see you on um international stages speaking and I'm saying to myself the one thing people are going to get from this um woman is authenticity and it's authenticity of not wanting to be the next person speaking in her plain cut throat straight to the points accent and explaining squarely from her heart so I think also from us is keeping you and thank you for being a light that is shining so brightly we're wishing you a successful rest of the tenure and we're on standby to listen to you when your next face comes blessings as always thank you one day thank you thank you very much nkiri for having me i've really enjoyed chatting with you thank you <laughs> true pleasure cheers bye bye